Welcome to the Canes Country Podcast. It is May 20th, and it's fitting that it is the 20th because if you look at the series between the Hurricanes and the Predators, what's the what's this what's this game the score of that series? How many games to how 2-0. many games? 2-0. And that can also be 20. Thanks for listening this week. This has been the Canes Country Podcast. Be sure um, to read the site. Be sure to uh... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the Hurricanes have a 2 nothing series lead. Uh, I mean, you can't do better than going up 2 nothing. I've looked into it, and through two games, you can only do as good as, as well as 2-0. Uh, my name is Brett Finger, joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel. Uh, guys, how are we feeling right now? Two games in the books. Feeling great. It's been, uh, it's been fun. I got to... Uh... Got to actually be in the stands last for Wednesday night's game, so that was a lot of fun. So yeah, it's a uh, it's good times in Carolina. Ryan, do you echo those sentiments, or the, are you are you thinking it's a bad time right now? No, I think it's a pretty exciting time in the you know the Raleigh Durham area. In Raleigh Durham. In Raleigh Durham, the you know the metropolis that it is. Yeah, of course. Uh, so let's just let's just get into it. The Game one, what I thought was was probably the most promising thing about that 5-2 game one victory was how unfazed Carolina was from start to finish. They definitely looked like a team that has been there. And, and after Nashville scored the first goal, that's a big goal. They came right back, wasted very little time when Tara Vine got that deflection goal to tie the game. Then they took the lead. And then with the, was it Jordan Stahl's goal that, that gave them the 2-1 lead and then Nashville tied the game. And again, that's a big goal in the second period. And Carolina from there just didn't let Nashville take any more of the momentum. Three goal for uh, third period. Nino Niederreiter scored the game-winning goal pretty early on. Jordan Stahl scored again. And then Andre Svechnikov buried an empty netter. For a five-two game. So before we move on to game two, uh, thoughts on game one? A pretty impressive and physical game one. Yeah, I I think I agree with um, what you said. I think one of the biggest things to take away from it, yeah, is that pretty much anything that happened, the Hurricanes, and this can go for the whole series too. Haven't been rattled, haven't been phased. They've responded well. Um, I mean, even you look at that game-winning goal from Nino Niederreiter, the way that sequence started on a fantastic pass across from Martin Natchez to Vincent Trocek that UC Saros made, I mean, a ridiculous save on and robbed him, but the Hurricanes just kind of kept playing. Um, Niederreiter, or Natchez dug the loose puck out behind the net, and Nashville, for some reason, thought letting Nino Niederreiter stand all alone between the circles was a good idea. Um, I will say that that play was not uh, an example of defensive excellence by Nashville, uh, including Eric Goodbranson's very yeah. uh, questionable yeah. uh, coverage in, in the slot on that two-on-one where he missed the pass, fell down, uh, almost just got in the way of Soros for making a great <laughs> save, for being honest, and then got it's... up, did not even – he just stared at the puck as Natchez – Grabbed it, threw it in front of the Niederreiter. Yeah, it's like the exact thing I expected. 
like it's when the, I looked at classic. like Nashville's lineup coming in, they were like Eric Goodbranson, Ben Harper, third pairing, and I was like, I was like, okay, so their obviously only goal is to try to out hit Carolina because that and pairing they is not stopping. They didn't even do that. Yeah. yeah, Carolina yeah, out hit them, fifty six to forty nine. Everyone's like the oh the candy canes, you know. They can't. You hit them a little bit. You rough them up, and they they fold. And Nashville came out swinging, so Carolina just gave them their own medicine right back and just hammered the hell out of them. It, it was yeah, both games. It was extremely physical, and Carolina was not the one like just receiving the the hits and not throwing. I mean, they were instigating contact throughout both games. Uh, this is a very different, you know. Again, it's more of the. They've been here. They know what it takes, and they're gonna do everything. You know, I mean, we can we can go ahead and I mean, well, before we move on to game two, Alex Nedeljkovich, we 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 talked about last week. We we I think all of us, or maybe two of the three, maybe all of us were like, Nedeljkovich should start game one. Mrazic will start game one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I did not expect Alex Nedeljkovich to get the game one start and. You know, he was maybe fighting it a little early, but as the game went on, I mean, he was he was in control, and obviously in game two he was outstanding. But uh, he was twenty two of twenty four uh, shots faced and uh, shots saved uh, in game one. He got his first win in his in his playoff debut, and. He was the first Hurricanes rookie goalie to ever do that. Yeah, I think, um, I th- first of all, yeah, kudos to Rod Brindamore and obviously uh, Hurricanes goalie coach Paul Schoenfelder, who, as we all know, um, is really kind of the one who makes those decisions. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I thought, you know, I thought it was the right call. I thought Delkovich is the goalie, again, with the highest ceiling that the Canes have. And, you know, Brindamore talked about this Um it's not necessarily Mrazic's fault. Well, it's not Mrazic's fault at, at all that he's been hurt so much this year and been out. But as a result of that, you know, Ned's been the one to play more. And I, I think he did, you know, like Rod said, he earned the start. And, um, you know, we can obviously talk about his game two performance. But even just looking at game one in his first playoff game, I thought, again, especially as it went along, um, you know, there were a few times that there was a lot of chaos in front of him. But he just looked really calm and composed which is i think exactly what you want to see from a rookie goalie making their playoff debut that always surprised me ned is probably one of the calmest heads you talked to him in postseason like the interview like after like game one and game two he's just like shrugging he's like yeah it's just another game he's he's always just so calm and level-headed and it's it's crazy to see that he has that kind of influence like on the ice you it just kind of calms the players down i feel like yeah, you don't expect that of a what twenty-five year old. This this whole year has to have been somewhat of like a whirlwind for him. I mean, starting the year on waivers, uh, going down, not playing, coming up, then just taking the league by by real surprise. I mean, he finished the year as one of the top five goalies in the league statistically. Um, and in going into this postseason, he's getting the game one start. He's getting the game two start, and he's stopping uh, at a total of like what fifty five or 
out of 57 or something like that, 54 out of 56. Um, he was outstanding, especially in game two. And we can, we can start talking about game two now. The way that this game was officiated as the Hurricanes ended up taking seven penalties in the game. And the story, what, what it's not going to be that you know they, they got jobbed by the refs. It's going to be that their penalty kill was so good as they killed 7-7, seven seven, they they almost outscoring chance Nashville, Nashville's power play with their penalty kill in seven attempts. Uh, it was really insane to watch. Uh, there was a lot going on. Andrew, uh, make sense of it. Yeah, it's what's interesting, and a couple people turned the, pointed this out, is like, you know, you've got the you know, the whole like game management calling all these penalties. It's like, okay, well, it's wild that a game that you're managing that hard (laughs) is seemingly that out of control because I mean, it, it, it was, I mean, there was stuff not getting called on Nashville that was just dangerous stuff. And I mean, just, just the wrong calls being made. I mean, you've got Jordan Martinuk getting held down on the ice and punched punched and roughing minors and, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, going beyond all that, like you said, the Hurricanes penalty kill. I mean, looking at the Nashville side of it, I mean, obviously you have to be absolutely just embarrassed by your power play. I mean, even as bad as Hurricanes power plays as we've seen over the years, I'm not sure we've ever seen anything quite as bad as getting seven power plays in a game and getting shut out in that game but you but i mean you're right the hurricanes penalty kill was awesome um sans jacob slavin who did not play yeah. and obviously if you know you know going into a game that you're gonna have have to kill seven penalties and not have jacob slavin you're probably not feeling good about that but um brady shea and brett pesci were both outstanding on the kill they both played over nine minutes shorthanded um sebastian ajo had a few shorthanded chances um Several breakaways yeah. for him in the first couple of games. Yeah, he, um, it, I mean, Sebastian, we can talk about this too, but Sebastian, I hope, really just played a hell of a game last night. Um, yeah, no, I mean, if, if you're the Hurricanes, I mean, you know, the penalty kill has been great for them really all season. And I mean, last night was kind of its banner. I don't, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it's, it's just seven for seven. Raise a banner on the to penalty that. kill in what really, I mean, you look at the scoreboard and it's, it's you know, it's a 3 nothing game, but, you know, the Hurricanes get the empty netter late and then another late goal with like 30 seconds left. For most of the game, it was a one nothing game, so you really could not afford to not kill all of those penalties, and they did. Yeah, I have like three three quick points, like for all of like what Andrew's talking about. The first one on Sebastian Ajo, he is having himself a series so far. He's involved in like every play offensively, penalty kill, but he's also, you don't really notice this too much unless you're like really paying attention or like at the games. Ajo is kind of a stirrer. Post whistles, yeah. he's he he gets slashes people in the back of the ankles. He cross check them in the back real quick. Ajo stirs the pot a lot, and it's something you don't necessarily see too much. But Ajo is a really, he gets under people's skin. And he's been very effective with that against Nashville. He kind of got the raw and the sick of this one when he he got caught hollow with that just horrible punch he got hollow with that dropped hollow. I hope he's okay. I, I think I Hollow really hope he's okay. His face flailing, man. <laughs> I 
I really hope he's going to be all right. I hope he makes it out of this, <laughs> out of this injury. That's yeah. But no, Ajo is just so effective, and like it, it's like he's kind of that antagonizer role, and like you don't really notice it as much, but he's really, really good at it. Uh, the second point, as much as that, like for Carolina to be like, like a flex that two O series lead, that embarrassment for Nashville to go 0-7 on the power play, that's got to be one of the most deflating feelings, being like, your goalie was playing out of his mind. Vincent, Poor Vincent Trocek feels cursed. He has been robbed by Saros about five different times. Yes. But, like, Saros is playing out of his mind for this team, and for their power play to go 0-7, that's just an embarrassing, deflating feeling, and it's got to just be, like, eating away at them, and it's just, I don't know how you kind of look at that one and, like, try to move past it it's like that's that well, i was gonna just, i was you know carolina went 0 for 4 in the first game and then they started 0 for 1 last night on the power play and i was like this is like that was a huge power play goal like they needed 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 yeah. because they were they were flirting with getting into that nashville territory of okay we really need the power play to go and that has to be a huge weight off of their shoulders to get that big goal well, and especially too, like that first Kane's power play goal was, or not, not power play goal, but the first power play that they had was really bad. Yes, that was that was a atrocious power play. Um, Nashville cleared it once, and then the Canes pretty much they ran, I think the zone entry attempts that they ran after the first kill was one of the worst I have ever seen. Um, yeah, and like you said, they had gone no, they had gone over for Monday. The power play really had been sputtering for a few weeks going down the stretch of the regular season because I mean they were number one for most of the year and fell ended up falling to number two to finish the regular season. And if you look, you know, looking at the last two playoffs too um, in the series against the Bruins, the power play has cost them. I mean, in 2019, the power play was terrible against the Capitals and Islanders too, but they fought through it. So you definitely didn't want that trend of uh, your power play going MIA in the playoffs to set in. So, yeah, I think that that, um, because even too, before the goal, the work, I think it was Stahl, Svechnikov and Dougie did yeoman's work to keep that puck in the zone before um, Svechnikov eventually set up Ajo. So, yeah, I think power play one in particular really needed to see something like that happen. Yeah, and my last point, just that, my last quick point, is that, I mean, like, were we sure we were tuning in for Game 2 of the Carolina Hurricanes and National Predators? Because I could have sworn that it was the Chris Lee and Jean Hebert show. It was. It was. They were, and even the linesmen, I don't remember, I didn't remember who the linesmen were, but they, like, they made the, they made so many like faceoffs. They like had to stop it. Like, no, we're gonna do this a certain way. The rest and the linesmen were just so involved the entire game. And it's like it's playoff hockey. Are the rule is the rule book put away, or is the rule book being enforced for ticky tack stuff that you just are throwing out there into the void? Like, it's like it's playoff hockey. It's we're not here to watch the refereeing show. Like, Speak get for out yourself. of the way. The, well, it's, so it's funny that you mention um, the linesman because, like, right before we were doing this, I was looking at like the media box score from last night's game. Ten mm. Hurricanes forwards took faceoffs last night. Martin Natchez, Tavo Teravine, and Warren Fogle, Jordan Martinook, 
Brock McGinn, Andrei Svechnikov all took faceoffs last night. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, the answer in last night's game was that the rule, I think, I mean, objectively speaking, watching the game, that the rule book was put away for one team and that we were calling ticky-tacky stuff on one team. It, it, it was not called evenly at all. You know, yeah, I, I tweeted last night that the game managers are doing a very poor job of managing the game. And, and like you said, Andrew, that was what it was. I mean, it looked like they were desperately trying to manage the game and keep it in control. But they did such a terrible job of what they were trying to do. It was very obvious what they were trying to do. But they just – they couldn't have gone about it much much worse than they did. And, you know, that obviously put Carolina behind the eight ball. And it, it certainly didn't help. But, I mean, you know, and this is the playoffs. You got you to gotta fight through that. That's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, it feels like – more often than not, Carolina has been at the at the wrong end of that when it has happened. Um, that's obviously very easy to say here on a Carolina Hurricanes podcast, but um, yeah, it's 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 been interesting. The word of the day is interesting. Like I'm just interested by by many things today, and and that is one of them. Tim Peel probably threw something at his TV last night watching that. You know he. Tim Peel, Tim Peel, the, I, I wanted to get one on Nashville. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sarah Sivian uh, tweeted, uh, Tim, I really want to get a fucking call on Nashville. Peel is shaking his fist at the screen or whatever. Um, yeah, that, yeah, just, he yeah. Could, he could have gotten a call on Nashville last night. Yeah, he, he could have. He would have found something. He absolutely could have. Now we have this series switching to Smashville, ooh, what are we what are we thinking? Is uh, Nashville's gonna have twelve thousand as well? I think for uh, yeah. games games three and four and beyond, uh, if they need to go to a game six. Uh, so, what are we expecting from Nashville? Because obviously, they played well enough to win last night. They played well enough to win that game. Uh, they didn't. And obviously the power play is going to be the the talking point. One way you expect from games two and or games three and four from Nashville, but also we going to see a difference in officiating. Is there going to be kind of a reset from game two of okay? Obviously, we did a poor job of managing this game. Is there going to be a different strategy employed by the officials? as the series switches who knows i mean honestly it's nhl officiating like you you would think the league might look at what happened in game two and be like hey that's not acceptable but like i don't know why you would expect that based on everything else we've seen for really a long time now if anything the officials are going to double down so expect 10 to 11 power plays for nashville because they're never wrong, they and they will never admit they're wrong. Yeah, yeah I think I it's don't... I think it's reasonable to think that they're going to be. This is why the NHL is fun. You never really know. I think it's reasonable to think that they're going to be even stricter, 
even more enforcing of the rules, I also think it's possible that they start putting the whistle away. I could easily see it going either way. And that's what's fun about, quote-unquote, fun about NHL officials. You literally never know what the hell they're going to do. And it's it's always just just a treat to, to see it in action. I expect Carolina, though, to probably, like, just kind of involve themselves less in that after after the whistle stuff because Brendan Moore sounded like he was like, he's like, we just can't be doing that. Brendan Moore just kind of like, he wasn't, like, pissed, but he was just kind of like, the hell are we doing in the post-interview? He's like, so I assume, the, I assume Carolina's going to be like, well... We kind of, I'd expect Shay and Pesci to get up, stand up in the locker room and deliver a speech being like, please don't make us fucking do that again. Especially if Slavin's going to be out again. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think that one of the really encouraging things too is the way that, you know, because I, I think in the past, in the pl- couple of years in the playoffs, we've seen the Canes maybe get pushed around a little bit physically. And they have not shied away, um, even between the whistles, from the physical play and answering that bell at all in this um, two-game series so far. I I think the Hurricanes have done a very good job of matching what they've needed to do. Um, But yeah, I think they could be maybe a smidge smarter about it um, in the post-whistle stuff, you know, especially not let... um, Eric Kala, who's obviously not going to be getting a Christmas card from anybody affiliated with the Hurricanes or in the building. Yeah. Um, it, it's what's funny because like Monday night, I was like, I don't really get the animosity for Eric Kala. And then Wednesday night, I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just, you know, be smart. I mean, like you're the better team. Like you're, you clearly have them outmatched. Like Nashville's one hope really is to get under your skin and get you off your game. And the hurricanes have done a really good job to this point of not letting that stuff escalate to the point of getting them off their game. Um, so yeah, just keep doing what you've been doing in terms of not shying away physically. Just like Ryan said, maybe be a little bit smarter with the post whistle stuff because Obviously, as you've seen, you're you're gonna get called for it. I don't expect this series to be necessarily easy, cut and dry over yet. Like, I don't expect maybe going to Nashville to be that big of a change. I think energy in the arena is energy. I think everybody can kind of feed off of it. I don't always buy home ice advantage too much, but you know, a very very raucous bunch in Nashville. I think more so. It's just it's always the the problem of UC Saros. He's played extremely well in these two losses. He's played very very well, and it's always the chance that he could steal a shutout potentially. And all Nashville has to do is just one bouncing puck hits two guys, goes in, and then you can maybe they could skate to a one zero lead fifty nine minutes through. A referee I think really picks up a puck and places it into <laughs> Carolina's net. Referee actually sets the pick play for Nashville. Three on no breakaway. I think it's just going to come down to like, can Saros, can Saros out elite Alex Nedeljevic essentially is what it's coming down to. Well, see, that's the thing is like, you can talk about Saros stealing a game, but in order for that to happen, like you need Nedeljevic to take a step back from what he's done so far. Like the yeah. Hurricanes actually have goal. I personally. I don't think I don't see this series lasting much longer. Um, I could see maybe a split in these two games, and then the Canes win Game Five at home. But I think um, 
you know, Nashville's kind of had chances in both of the first two games. Like you, you've, you've got, like when you've got, you're getting seven power plays in a game and you can't score, like what else are you going to like be able to do? Like, and Monday, like Monday they had a chance. I mean, through two, it was pretty even. And then the hurricanes just came right back um, and dominated the third. I, I think the hurricanes are just, well, we knew coming into this. I mean, the Hurricanes are clearly the better team that showed. I think that the Hurricanes experience kind of, you know, have been there, done that, and the playoffs is showing. Um, and, and I think they're going to be able to just take care of business here. Uh, like I said, I, Nashville spl- getting a split in these two would not surprise me at all, but I don't think the Hurricanes sweeping would surprise me either. Yeah, I feel like Nashville's shown their hand, all their hand now. It's like... Yeah, they tried cool. the physical. Yeah. They tried the physical matchup. They got. They didn't work for them, and so they went. They're like, okay, we're gonna put in Tolvin in. We're gonna put in Benning. Benning, who's a dependable third guy. Tolvin in, who was their great rookie, and like he was a really good part on their power play when it actually did find success. Neither of them did anything. Like they have no like ace in their sleeve. They can pull out for like a line change. They kind of canes know what their team is. They know the offense runs through Roman Yossi. I mean. Nashville, like they don't have many other cards to play. It's, it's really just kind of coming down to, like, it's if they could put their head down to steal a game. But I just, at this, Carolina is the better team, pretty much every asset. It's like, yeah, they were close game one and game two at points, but I mean, like, I feel like game one, Carolina was just kind of like sleepwalking through the first period and a half, and yeah. then like the third period, like they got to their game, they found their game, and they like they rolled that to an easy win. And then game two, the Carolina couldn't find a rhythm. They a penalty every 30 seconds. I mean, there's the Canes can't get into a rhythm to play their game, and that happens, but... Like, like let's, uh, I'll put this bluntly. Like, that game was close because every, like you said, every 30 seconds, they were handed a power play. I mean, literally every 30 seconds. It was, it was insane. Uh, so... If Nashville isn't going to win when they get seven power plays and they get shut out, what needs to go their way for them to beat the Hurricanes? I don't know. Um, again, I don't think any of this is necessarily shocking. I mean, I think you guys picked Carolina in five. I picked them in four. I mean, it's just in, in seeing it in practice now, what we kind of already thought it's like yeah that's about right well yeah i think too if you look around at like like the whole like you know different sites with like their panels or their national writers prediction i don't think i don't think i saw a single person really anywhere that picked nashville yeah yeah at least like Maybe, like, on paper, you can give Nashville some more credit. But if you've watched these games between these teams this year, I mean, you've seen that one team is very clearly better and one team very clearly has the answers for the other. I mean, we saw that this season. They were 6-0 and before the throwaway kind of final weekend. Well, so. Brett, they were shut out five nothing in the last game. That means Nashville's going to ride that one to victory. <laughs> yeah, uh, Morgan Geeky and Max McCormick and uh, and company leading the way in that one. Uh, you know, it's just eh. uh, Canes and Four. That's a good way to put it. That's all I got for you. Yeah. 
Uh, let's look around the league here. Other series. The, the Colorado-St. Louis one is interesting uh, for one reason. And that's because of the hit that happened last night from Nazem Kadri on former Hurricane Justin Falk. Uh, Colorado has a 2 nothing series lead in that one. And naturally, the team that Nazem Kadri is on is not getting uh, the attention for the win. They're getting the attention for what stupid thing he did in the first round of a playoff series with his blind side hit on Justin Falk in the slot. Uh, primary and only really point of contact was his head. He was pretty much knocked out on the ice, and Nazem Kadri will get an in-person hearing today. So, thoughts on Nazem Kadri's hit? That was really, really awful. That needs to be the suspension. That's just a terrible hit. It's just like it's intent to injure. It's just there's no other possible outcome from that hit. Like, you have a player shooting in the slot, right? And Falk has a wide-open shot in the slot. You would think, right? You would think that you would try to, you know, put your stick in the shooting lane or, you know, do something to stop him from shooting the puck and, and potentially scoring a goal. But no. I mean, instead, he goes straight for the head of Justin Falk. Like it's just it's it's gutless, it's senseless. Like there's literally no reason for that, and it's it's every year with him. Like every time the postseason comes around, what is it like four out of the last five or three of the last four first round series? He's had a hit to the head, and he has he's gotten suspended and punished. Like it's crazy, and this is going to be this is definitely going to be a suspension. There's no way it's not going to be. Yeah, especially in person, no. It's like crazy. Like Nathan McKinnon had a hat trick, but like nobody cares. Like no nobody's one, really yeah. talking about that because a predatory hit. Like it's just disappointing to see stuff like that. Yeah. Vegas, Minnesota, one one. Minnesota stole game one in overtime. <laughs> Vegas bounced back and and beat them. Uh, I think we all gave Minnesota a little bit of a shot here. Uh, uh, did did anyone take Minnesota? I took Minnesota in seven. I did not. Okay, yeah, I took I took Vegas. I gave Minnesota a lot of props though, as did Andrew. Interesting first two games, uh, entertaining first two games, tied up at one one game apiece. This one was fun last night. Winnipeg Edmonton game one. No Nikolai Ehlers or Pierre Luc Dubois for Winnipeg in that game either. Connor McDavid had one shot. I'm like, who on that <sighs> roster is shutting down Connor McDavid? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling less good about my pick of Edmonton going to the Final Four from the Canadian division. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you took that. That's right. You took Edmonton to go the I distance in that did. division. It yeah. Doesn't. I mean, just yeah. I don't trust anyone in, in this division. I, I honestly don't. I trust absolutely none of them. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be Montreal, Winnipeg. As a matter of fact, I on this podcast I picked Winnipeg to win this series. You picked uh, Montreal too. Yeah, I I picked Winnipeg and Montreal. <laughs> you did not. I don't think you stuck with those. I did your, not for the site uh, picks. Like the official site picks. Uh, 
I'm two different people on this podcast. I'm I'm in, I'm someone entirely different. And uh, I said, right. I think last week you actually said Winnipeg in five potentially. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounds like, like something that. I would say on this podcast. It Which looks like you know what? a great like, pick now. No one, not like like Brett is saying, like nothing in that. The only thing that would surprise me from that division is whoever gets out of that division, like making it to the Stanley Cup final. Because I think whoever it is is going to get absolutely boat raced in the final four by. <laughs> I still think Montreal winning a game is more is less likely than like a Canadian team making the Stanley Cup final. To be honest, and that's why I Montreal is such a bad team. They're <laughs> just bad. I picked both. I picked Mont- Montreal and Winnipeg to make a point, and my point be- my point was proved in Game One. And we'll see what happens with Toronto and Montreal. If if Montreal wins Game One, can you imagine? That would be epic. It's gonna happen. I'm I'm predicting it right now. Joel Edmondson, Eric Stahl, that's popping right. off, dueling hat tricks. Game One, dueling Game One hat tricks. Yeah. The Hurricanes um, don't look so bad for not going out and getting Eric Stahl anymore. Yeah. I think there's a good chance he looks better in Carolina than Montreal for sure, but... Probably. Yeah. But getting... I mean, well, I mean, getting Trevo Teravainen back, you really didn't need anybody, but... Yeah, and that was at the point of the year where we weren't certain that he was going to play at all for the remainder of the season or playoffs. Yeah. So obviously getting Tavo back is, is, is a slightly better addition. Shifting east, Pittsburgh, New York, first round one to one. Kyle Palmieri won the game in overtime for the Islanders in game one. Pittsburgh won game two. Thoughts? It's matching up this is matching up to be a good series. Yeah, yeah. I think um if you look at it from a penguins perspective. Tristan Jari was pretty terrible in game one and pretty good in game two. And I think if they get, if the Penguins get pretty good from Tristan Jari the rest of the series, I think they win it. If they don't, then the Islanders absolutely have a shot. If Simeon Varlamov can stop a uh, shot from the far right circle going barely over his glove, that might also help the Islanders. Well, they win. They switched from Sorokin to Varlamov for Game Two after they won Game One, as one does. What? Yeah. Even Rod Brindamore <laughs> didn't do that. Yeah, and and Ned, Ned's top twenty-two, twenty-four. I mean, it... it's like it's not like Ned was odd, like there would have been a, a somewhat of a defense of going to Mrazek in Game Two. Yeah, I, I don't think it would have been that massive of a deal if they went to Mrazic. I was shocked they didn't go for him in game one. And then I was again shocked that they didn't go for him in game two. Well I was less I was less shocked about game two. Yeah, I didn't I wasn't I wasn't I was expecting Ned to get the net again. Yeah. At that point there's no reason not to give him the the start yeah. in game two. But certainly shocked he didn't get in game one and yeah, so they win game one, they go to Varlamov and it didn't work. I think it's less shocking that it's Barry Trotz, though. Barry Trotz, like, sure, his he he likes his veterans a lot more. He likes his rookies. So does That's... I mean, so does so do the Hurricanes. Yeah, so so does Rod Brindamore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I think Barry Trotz is much more like stout with his 
the way he wants to do things. He, Rod, I think Rod Brendamore is a little more flexible and a little more trusting of his guys. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. Washington, Boston. So Washington won game one. Then Boston came back and won game two and game three, including a double overtime goal from Craig Smith. Ooh. Oh, we, Samsonov. We we are uh, we are watching some hockey, indeed. Uh, a lot of it, actually. A lot of it in this series. A lot of it. A lot of Speaking overtime. Speaking of changing up goaltenders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, my pick was Boston in six, and I still feel like I feel like the Bruins really like haven't played very well in this Can I be series. Honest with you? Like going yes. like I don't I don't know why I feel this way. Well, I know why I feel this way, but it's partially influenced by the fact that we are not the Hurricanes are not in that division anymore. But I've just been so like not impressed by really anyone in that division. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I definitely thought it would be better. Like I thought. I thought it would be better. I didn't think the Flyers were going to like. I thought the Flyers were going to be one of the best teams in the NHL this year. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> which, looking at their history, picking the Flyers to be good again coming off a in good year is actually seasons, not yeah. not smart. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I mean, just just looking at this series, like I, I definitely think Boston wins. Like I don't think Boston has played all that well, and they have a two one win lead with a chance to take a stranglehold on this series in game four at home. And Washington has like, we've established um, some goaltending problems. So I, yeah, I don't, but, but I, I, I'm with you. I don't think, um, like, I think if the Canes or Tampa or like the abs or Vegas are playing the winner in this division um, in the final four, I, I think they can handle them. Yeah, Brett, I, kind of that that hot take like when you say it i'm thinking about it, i'm like no that's that's a hundred percent the right take it's weird to they, say like you know like yeah especially if like like other than well i mean bruins fans like to hate hate on tuka rass but he's probably the best like pretty much all of these teams have like pretty big goaltending question marks and like you're going to be going up against either like Colorado, well, Colorado, okay, Colorado's goaltending is actually not like. Grubauer is good. Awesome, right. but uh, Grubauer is good, um, but he's not like you're either going to be going against him or you're going to be going against Vegas and Flurry or Tampa and Vasilevsky or the yeah. Canes and Nikolkovich. Like whoever you're playing against, if you're the team coming out out of that division, unless maybe the Bruins is going to have a sizable advantage in net just right off the bat before you even look at anything else. Yes, for sure. And, yeah. I, you know, we learned a valuable lesson here. Always stretch before you start a playoff game. <laughs> Poor VTech. Oh, my God. That was, that, that's that was one the of take the of the century. Takes I've ever seen. And coming from like a hockey man, that says something. Yeah. How dare, how dare you get a muscle joint injury? That's a soft tissue injury. You are. It's just a soft injury, is what it is. If you're soft, soft, you're not a man. You're not prepared. 
I know. I was there. I was watching him. And I know he was not prepared. Definitely not just a random take that I'm coming up with. I know. I know for a fact that he maybe, was not prepared. Maybe if Vitek Vanacek was a good Canadian player, if he would he have easily been able yeah, to toughen up and get that. There you go. If, if he was a good Canadian soft boy European. and not a soft European player, then you know what? He would have been ready. Carey Price would never. If the Capitals still had Braden Holtby. Yeah, the only thing Carey Price does is let in like three Wait, goals from the it, Toronto Marlins. But he doesn't Canadian. pull muscles ever. <laughs> What'd you ask, Andrew? Yeah, okay. I was just, I said if the Capitals still had Braden Holtby, but I, had to, I couldn't remember if he was Canadian or American, but he's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa Bay, Florida. We all took Florida, and they're down to nothing. <laughs> you know, that probably wasn't the best deci- collective decision. I made that ever. decision out of passion, all right? I also made that decision out of passion. Yeah, fair. I, I kind of did, too. Um, all right. I think... Go ahead. <laughs> if Sam Bennett doesn't act like a complete idiot, Florida's in a completely different position right now. Yes. No, I they think... They have a 4-3 um, lead, and he fucking charges Blake Coleman and like he already took a penalty and gave up they scored on a penalty he had already taken earlier in the game it's like oh my god no kind of exactly what I was going to say I think when you have when you're playing Tampa and you have them in a situation like Florida did in game one you kind of got them on the ropes you have to win you have to win um you cannot let them come back and steal a game and get life. And when Tampa ended up winning game one, I kind of had the thought, like, they might just, like, roll this series now. And yeah. it certainly looks like it. Now, we've seen teams lose the first two games at home and win a series. We Carolina-Montreal, 2006, first round. 2021 Tampa Bay Lightning are probably a more dangerous opponent than the 2006 Montreal Canadiens. But, um, yeah, I, I think when you let Tampa get rolling like that um, and you don't take your opportunity that you had to get out in front of the series, uh, it's going to be a bad time. I don't know. I could think of also a recent time a scrappy young team was in a two-hole hole against the defending cup champions. No, I don't, came back. don't know what you're talking about. They Doesn't also lost right the first there. two games on the road, not at home. No, I was thinking of like, uh, well, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, there's, is, there's Florida, is Florida and Tampa really a difference of home? You're, yeah. Same state. This is a philosophical. Same chaos. This is a philosophical kind of question, you know. You know they're they're both kind of at home when you think about it. It's not really even philosophical. It's really just geographic. Um, Florida is a state of mind. Florida is it really is that's philosophical. Well, that's just true, actually. But <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so maybe that maybe that that will become a series. Who knows? Yeah, Florida is kind of suffering from the we've never been here thing a little bit. Yeah. Um, in Tampa has uh, has been there once or twice. Yeah, and you know, that, that, I think Helps. that's playing a role. I think when you're team ten percent over the payroll, you also should be expected to win. Slight advantage for for Tampa Bay, uh, being seventy five million dollars over the cap and uh, 
Still filling look, team. Look, look, look. It's not hate hate the game, not the player. If if you're if no, you're yeah, team, I'm like, not. I don't blame. No, Florida. I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying. Tampa. I'm like. I'm not like Tampa's a bunch it's of. It's the cheaters. NHL's I'm like, fault. Tampa is literally ten yeah. percent over the cap. They should win. Like I'm not saying anything bad against them. It's just a, Gosh, it's a factual. No, no, that that is fair. I mean, I I think. Like, if there's a loophole there like that and a team like Tampa is in a position to take advantage yeah. of it, they're going to do it. You'd be um, stupid I think not to. The league definitely needs to re-examine um, some things here with after this season. But, um, which, and that's a, an extreme situation like this is usually what it takes for uh, things to be re-examined and a change to be made. Which I mean, that's just the NHL for you. But um, they need to be slapped in the face like seventy times with it before they realize that okay, we gotta change it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like either that or like hit over the head with a sledgehammer one time because it's like this obvious what is happening. Oh no, see Andrew, you said hit to the head, and obviously the NHL doesn't. The NHL loves that. Involving that. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, don't tell them that, Andrew. Please. <laughs> I will not give them any ideas about allowing sledgehammers to be used. Here's an idea. Let's end the podcast. Thank you for listening this week. This has been the Canes Country Podcast. Uh, lots of stuff. I mean, so much stuff. And we talked about a lot of it here. Guys, where the, can the people find you on Twitter and only Twitter, Andrew? At A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. And Ryan. At R Y A N H E N K E L underscore. You can find me at Brett Finger on Twitter. You can follow Canes Country at Canes Country on Twitter, on Instagram at Canes Country Picks, P I X. Go read the site. There's just a shit ton of content on, on Canes Country during this first round playoff series and beyond, of course. Uh, go follow slash subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, literally wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Canes Country podcast. Uh, please leave a rating a review those things help us out tremendously and we will talk to you again next week maybe the series will be over maybe maybe it'll be all tied up who who knows what's going to happen in a week Uh, we'll talk about it though